Drilling Deep. I'm your host, John Kingston. I say welcome back because I've been away for a month, but now it's time to get back into things. And hey, did anything happen in oil markets while I was away? We'll talk about that in a minute. We also have a guest of the week here on Drilling Deep, and this week it's Ben Wieson. He is the president of Carrier Logistics, a company that provides transportation management systems to the LTL sector. It's Carrier Logistics' 50th year and they're marking it by looking back on what TMS systems used to be and what they are today. He'll be with us in a few moments. The last time I recorded Drilling Deep, the average retail price of diesel was about $5.80 per gallon, and now it's about $5.15. That is based on EIA data. But let's look forward and discuss whether that decline has any energy left in it. I think the most significant discussion I heard recently about diesel was in an earnings call. Brian Mandel, the executive vice president of marketing and commercial for Phillips 66, was asked about the market for diesel. Phillips is one of the biggest suppliers of diesel to the market in the U.S. What he said was not good news for diesel consumers, even after weeks of significant decline. He said refineries are now producing as much diesel as they can because the economics of it are so good, even at lower prices. But even with that, inventories haven't gotten that much better. In fact, according to EIA data, They fell the last two weeks, and this is the time of the year when you really should be building them. Mandel also noted that we're getting into harvest season. That is a significant pull on diesel supplies. And of course, what comes after the harvest? Winter. And diesel is a distillate, and heating fuels are distillates too. So a cold winter is going to impact diesel supplies. The high level of refinery rates can't continue because we're going into what is called turnaround season, which is really just another word for maintenance. Much of this maintenance involves huge projects, sometimes scheduled years in advance, so it can't be deferred. Believe me, refiners would love to defer it right now if they could, given the margins that they're finding in the, in the market. And let's not forget Russia. Mandel said the market is missing about 150,000 barrels a day of Russian diesel supplies or distillate supplies. That may not sound like much, but in a tight market, it matters. And you're starting to see diesel tick up again against crude. The spread between Brent crude and diesel got as high as $1.70 per gallon. Uh, it was just about 100, it was just about $1.30 around July 11th or 12th. It was down to about a dollar by the end of July, but now it's starting to turn up again. The other big thing that happened last week is that Travel Center of America came out with its earnings. We don't want to focus on Travel Center, on TA, but they are notable because they are one of the biggest diesel retailers in the country. And unlike Pilots, uh, unlike Loves and Pilot Flying J, they are public. So their data is available and it gives a good look into what is going on with diesel demand and diesel margins. Those margins are in their report, in their quarterly report, their margins are reported as fuel sales, not broken down between gasoline and diesel. But at TA, diesel, diesel sales are anywhere between 80 to five, 85 to 90 percent of all fuel sales. So that number really is effectively a diesel number. It tends to be in the 14 to 15 cents per gallon range. Last quarter, when spot and wholesale diesel prices were falling rapidly and retail prices were not, that margin got up to more than 27 cents per gallon. This is pretty much unheard of. I track things going back to 2019. We weren't even close to that anywhere else. It just goes to the point that we're in a volatile market that is providing enormous swings. It means that in some cases, there are big winners. TA's numbers show that fuel retailers in the quarter were definitely big winners. And there are big losers too, in this case, consumers. 
But right now, I wouldn't get too worked up over that, the idea that TA is making too much money. I'd worry a lot more about the type of comments that you heard out of Phillips and the tight market for diesel that that big refiner sees going forward. Time to move on now on Drilling Deep. Recently, Carrier Logistics prepared some blog pieces on the history of the transportation management system, TMS, as it's widely known in the industry. And a carrier should know they've been in the business as long as pretty much anybody. So when I got the opportunity to interview its uh, longtime president, Ben Wieson, I jumped at it. As somebody who myself, as I've admitted many times, doesn't have a long history in the trucking business, I'm always fascinated to hear how we got where we are today. I'm also really interested in how technology companies differentiate themselves, whether it's in supply chain software for a shipper or manufacturer, an ELD for a truck, or yes, a TMS for a shipper or a carrier. So I thought this was a great opportunity to talk about that. Let's note here that the name of CLI's TMS product is Fax. I'm sure we're going to make reference to that during the podcast. And let's welcome in Ben Wieson. Ben, thanks for joining us on Drilling Deep today. John, great to be with you today. Thank you for that warm introduction and very excited to talk a little bit about our technology journey and how Carrier Logistics helps asset-based LTL companies uh, achieve the most out of their operations through well, I saw your, uh, your technology. I saw your following in person when the CLI invited me down to your event uh, off of Times Square a few months ago. Uh, and you are celebrating, I gather, your 50-year anniversary this year, and that was part of the celebration. Uh, and a lot of people in the room and some you know, good, good chat and uh, good conversation, good presentation. So why don't you describe what CLI does, where your market niche is, and uh, what, what is it that Fax does? Happy to do that. Carrier Logistics provides technology solutions that power asset-based LTL motor carriers forward. And what that means is we provide the technology that's used by the motor carriers to run essentially every facet of their business, everything from interacting with their customers and doing so more and more on an electronic basis, uh, from order tendering through to visibility, to managing the internal operations, which involves a lot of optimization, trying to optimize the delivery routes, trying to optimize the P&D operation, manage and optimize the line haul operation, cross-dock, line haul, and of course, back office functionality, billing, rating, invoicing, driver and carrier payments, etc. There's a lot to running a trucking company. And while it's not exactly rocket science because we are staying on the terra pharma or on the ground, uh, it is fairly complex and technology is playing an ever-evolving role in helping trucking companies to be effective. So with your 50-year anniversary, it seems to me you're getting kind of very into the idea of the history of this. I mean, all these things that you just said that you're, that, that the fax product does, and, uh, and most TMS products do, uh, you weren't doing that 50 years ago. So what did TMS start as? Yeah, it's, it's amazing how technology has evolved. I remember when I first got into this industry in the very early 90s, uh, a, a real cutting-edge technology was sending a telex between terminals so that if there was a message that needed to be communicated, it could be typed out and it would spit out on a, on a ribbon printer on the other end, and, and that was cutting-edge technology. At that time, uh, freight invoices were pretty much typed by hand. Uh, some carriers still on a typewriter. Some carriers were evolving into mainframe applications. And almost everything else was done paper and pencil. 
all manifesting was done paper or pencil. All driver communications was through a phone booth or, or maybe a walkie, uh, not a walkie talkie, but a CB radio. It was really uh, what you think about when you go back to your childhood and my childhood, right? We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have mobile phones of any type. Email didn't exist. Uh, we used typewriters to do our term papers. And that's exactly how the trucking companies were operating. And uh, as technology evolved, we've gotten to enjoy seeing the journey. And I hope leading the way on that journey to making every aspect online for real-time visibility. As soon as a driver is arriving at a stop, the system knows it's notifying the customer, hey, your driver's arrived. Uh, let's try and avoid a detention situation. As soon as someone is interested in shipping, we're able to, in real time, provide a price quotation, adjust that price quotation based on dynamic market principles, uh, where where the trucks are today and, and what capacity exists in the network, respond back. It's, it's just amazing how it's changed from everything being a manual process to computers automating the vast majority. So what were the first features of a TMS? It didn't do all these wonderful things that it does now today. So what did it do back in the early 90s? Yeah. So speaking... Or back, or back in the 70s, which is, which is where your company dates back to. Yeah. So I'll speak to uh, carrier logistics uh, technology solutions and its first applications, which again, were servicing asset-based LTL carriers even back then. And the first technology applications that CLI produced were routing solutions and terminal management solutions. So uh, was it totally online? No. Computers were used to aggregate historical information, to figure out density based on historical norms and averages, and to produce originally typewritten routing guides that essentially looked like a telephone book. And the router at night, instead of having to know every street and every avenue in the terminal to try and figure out which truck should handle a shipment, would look it up in this street atlas. And instead of a street atlas returning um, a, a page on a map like it would if you were looking a street address to navigate somewhere, uh, I realize no one does that anymore, uh, This the atlas would return, here's the truck route that it should get loaded on, and is it nose freight? center freight or tail freight, meaning should we load it first in the truck because it's essentially going to be the last delivery area that driver gets to? Or is it sort of in the middle, in the center of the truck? Or is it on the tail? It's going to be one of the first deliveries. That evolved into, rather than publishing that into a, a telephone book type of, uh, or, or atlas type of piece of uh, paper-bound manual, why don't we make that online? So the TMSs, uh, both for motor carriers and, and uh, for industry in general at that point, were at least recording that there was a shipment and the price on the shipment and producing an invoice. That was the earliest application in trucking is just managing the, the shipments and the invoicing. And we were able to create a technology that allowed those shipments to essentially be downloaded into each terminal's standalone local PC using modems and transferring files. And then we would load that into a local database and look up that routing assignment in real time. And that was transformatory. Instead of having to look up an address in a 
printed manual that was obsolete the day after it was printed. <laughs> it was a live lookup in a database to find the route. Yeah. And you people know, went I, nuts. I find people who are in technology, not even just in technology, but people now love to swap stories about, can you believe what we used to do 25 years ago? And they, they you know, and of course, everybody's so far advanced, no matter what field you're in. And they just love to sit around and say, boy, remember back in the 90s what we used to do? So now we're, we're, we're in a, a much more fuller TMS that does so much more. And, you know, I was at the Gartner Supply Chain Symposium back in June which provides various, and, and the vendors there, the exhibitors there provide various services, mostly used by shippers. And what always w- was fascinating to me is how do you differentiate yourself in this business? Because as you walk through the exhibit hall, most of the software offerings, probably 90%, 95% of what they do are all identical. I mean, there's certain services they all have to do. Same thing with you and your competitors. How does a company differentiate themselves in this crowded field? I can tell you how Carrier Logistics differentiates itself. Uh, We differentiate ourselves by truly being specialists in a a small piece of the very large transportation market. And the piece that we've carved out is asset-based LTL operations. We've defined that as meaning we'll service motor carriers who are moving freight that potentially and likely will cross dock. When you think about the transportation market, right, there's intermodal, there's ocean, there's air, uh, and, of course, the biggest segment of truckload. And truckload freight, I guess, could get unloaded between the time it's picked up at a shipper and delivered at a consignee, but that would be extremely inefficient because it's a full truckload. It's a point-to-point movement. And LTL freight, by definition, there's not enough volume to make up that very efficient truckload move. So, we're going to share trailer space. And in order to share that trailer space, that freight is going to be picked up in a local area. It's going to be brought back to a crosstalk facility, unloaded, consolidated with shipments going in the same direction, reloaded onto a line haul, unloaded at destination, consolidated with shipments going to a local delivery area, consistent with where that shipment needs to go, reloaded, and ultimately delivered. It might be a few more handling points in between. And that's a, a way, a niche, right? Not every shipment is LTL and not every motor carrier provides LTL services. And so we've decided to specialize in that. And that's really our differentiation is by specializing in that, we have the algorithms and the computer solutions that are specifically tailored towards managing the shipment, which is a little bit different than managing the asset. Yeah, it, it, it would seem to me, it just if somebody stepped back and didn't know anything, they'd say, well, you're in LTL business, you got all this software, you got all those programmers, why don't you just go into truckload because it's a lot bigger? The fact that you haven't really kind of shows how specialized it has to be. If you were to go into truckload, if you were going to take what you have now as the base and then go into truckload, clearly that would be a huge move. And it's one you haven't done yet, which is not something I'm saying I'm being critical of. I'm just saying I think it really emphasizes how specialized it is what you do. I think so. And I think that's what uh, in general differentiates the shining stars in the marketplace is that they've specialized in an area. They do it really well and they stay true to that. They don't dilute uh, what they're able to to do uh, technically. And I think we've seen that in the industry. We've seen some major truckload companies acquire LTL companies and vice versa, but we've seen the operations be kept separate with different staff so that they're able to remain domain experts 
And even though they might consolidate invoicing or customer service, the actual nuts and bolts, the blocking and tackling of moving freight remains in those separate channels. Right. How has the real price of the TMS come down? I mean, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a software now, it's a program now, a service now that does so much more than it did 50 years ago, 25, 30 years ago. But is the cost curve for a, a, a software, for a TMS program on the way down when adjusted for inflation? That's a very interesting question. I think that the spend on technology by the industry is on an upward trajectory because technology has such a high ROI. It provides so much value. And I think the cost per sort of unit of effectiveness has gone down, right? The cost of computers has gone down. The cost of memory has has plummeted. uh, The cost of storage has plummeted. Uh, But because we're asking computers to do more and more and more and more, even if the unit cost is lower, the total cost probably is going up because of all the things that technology does from visibility to artificial intelligence, to optimization, to proactive communication, uh, to robotic processing, uh, to to optical character recognition. These are all technologies that reduce the total cost of doing business improve effectiveness, improve stickiness with customers, make your shipper happier. They have a cost, but they have a tremendous ROI. So I, I think, about, yeah, yeah Go I was ahead. Gonna say, I think it does, the, the ultimate cost of technology, uh, whether you think of it as your TMS or your total tech stack, probably isn't going down. And I don't think it will go down, but the value continues to go up and the ROI continues to improve. Let's talk about moats, M-O-A-T-S. You know, in business, that's talked about a a company that has a moat, meaning it's very, very difficult for a competitor to get in. You know, in truckload, just as a truckload carrier, it's fairly easy to get in. Uh, A pharmaceutical company is always a company that's talked about as as an operation that has a high moat. TMS, TMS for LTL carriers, how high a moat is that or how deep a moat is that? And is it considerably different than the moat for a TMS for a truckload carrier? I think any new uh, technology firm who is trying to get into the TMS market would find some some pretty strong headwinds because there are, as you said, it's a saturated market, especially on the shipper side, on the traditional shipper-based TMS. It's a saturated market on the truckload side because it's, it's such a major uh, piece of the transportation play, uh, certainly in North America. And on the LTL side, the vendors who have supported this just keep doubling down on providing more functionality, better functionality, faster response time. So I think there are tremendous headwinds. And and if you think about what it would take to start an LTL company, right, you'd have to have physical assets, you'd have to have warehouses, you'd have to have real estate. And if you think about what it takes to get into the TMS space to service a motor carrier, you you can't have a promise. You have to have a solution that already works. You know, I keep coming back to this Gartner conference that I went to just because I found it so interesting, a real eye-opener for somebody like me. And there was still a lot of talk that some there were, there were shippers out there in the world who were still using spreadsheets. They weren't using the capabilities of the kind of software programs that you saw exhibited. Uh, on the exhibited on the exhibition floor at, at Gartner, I would imagine uh, that's not the case in LTL carriers for for them to re- reach that level of uh, of specialization. Because again, it, yes, as as you've noted, it's more difficult to be an LTL carrier than it is a truckload carrier. Um, they all have to have a pretty full 
TMS system uh, in, in their operations. Is that accurate? I think it's essential for them to be successful, to be profitable, to grow and to meet customer expectations. I mean, the number one thing that the shipping public wants is visibility and the amount of disruption we've seen over the last few years. And and I don't think we see that disruption getting less. We're seeing it continue for labor reasons, still for COVID reasons, just because of the, the change in, in human behavior, the changes in human behavior. And, and I wish I was a social engineer. That would be fascinating, but we'll keep this to technology. Um, I, I think that the demands on the carrier are more and more. They have to be more flim, more flexible, more nimble, adjusting to all these uh I'll use the term roadblocks because I guess it's it, it's it's appropriate for service transportation. Um, but but to get around roadblocks and to solve problems and to provide visibility and to maintain a service standard, without technology, they just can't do it. Let's pull. Let's presume for a second you pulled all your software engineers together in a room, and you stood up in the front and you said, "Okay, the next piece of functionality that I want developed is blank." Tell me what it is. What, what don't you do now that you really want to do in facts? We have a, a big poster uh, that's, that's on by the front entrance and, and then a smaller copy of by the back entrance, just in case someone sneaks in the back way, that reminds our staff every day when they come into work and, and every time they, they run out to, the, uh, to take a break as well, that we are really focused now on artificial intelligence, on analytics, uh, on, on optimization. And I think those three things describe the current trends in technology and, and the short-term future of technology is going to be doubling down on that. Uh, we have to have computer systems that can make decisions that are as good as the decisions that human beings are making, but can make those decisions 24 by 7. And I think can make them looking at data rather than relying on experience and tribal knowledge. Computers are able to optimize in a way that people just can't because there are too many data points. Yet, at the same time, we're getting more and more data points. We're getting traffic. We're getting weather. We're getting uh, dimensions. We're getting photos of freight. We're getting live GPS feeds. So there are just more data points that need to come into that optimization model, which is good and bad. It makes the optimization more accurate. Uh, it actually means something now when it has predictive traffic capabilities. Otherwise, if I'm optimizing at 8 at night based on what traffic looks like now, well, that does nothing for tomorrow morning's operation at 8 in the morning when traffic will be totally different. But the that exists today. And so the optimization models are believable and they're returning results that are better than what people are able to come up with in fractions of the time. So I think my tech staff would agree that robotic processing, optimization, and providing really strong analytics so that all this free time that managers now have that they're no longer doing so the brainless work can be instead used to really understand the data, to understand the trends, and to make uh, both tactical and strategic decisions. How hard is it to hire those software engineers these days? I think the job market across the board is real tough. It's hard to hire a truck driver. It's probably hard to hire a journalist. And it's definitely hard to hire software engineers. Um, the nice thing about carrier logistics is we let each one of our staff members be somewhat entrepreneurial. We have so much room for growth in technology, even though I think we have a mature product. It's never going to be done evolving. That people can just find something that motivates them, that they find interesting. And they can sort of become almost a mini business owner. They can sort of pitch the idea, 
grow the idea, program that idea, and then work with clients to refine it and improve it. And I think that's very motivating to a certain type of individual. Well, we want to thank Ben Wieson. He is the president of Carrier Logistics. He's been our guest today here on Drilling Deep. Ben, it was great to meet a lot of Carrier Logistics people, as I said, in New York a, a few months ago and hope to do so again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Can't wait till our paths cross again. All right. Well, thanks for joining us here on Drilling Deep. You have been listening to Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of podcasts from Freightways. You can find us on all the leading, not not just the leading podcast platforms. I think you can find us on all the minor podcast platforms too. But we do thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, John Kingston, and please join us again. Mm-hmm.